Okay, let's get started. We have two more Mishnahis left in the Masechta. We're starting at the bottom of Lamed Testament Beis. Let's get started. We've been discussing over the last many Mishnayos, what happens if I have my Tchum and you have your Tchum, and then we swap food or swap items. Of course, the Yisra of Tchum Shabbos, I can't go more than 2,000 Amos from, from my Mokum Shvisa. This is very distracting. Uh, I, I, I can't move more than 2,000 Amos. We uh, uh, fine. I know, it's, uh, with everyone, it's all of our Venn diagram centers, we're not going to go far. We should be learning this on Yontif Mamash. So uh, what happens when there are those intersections? And here, this uh, Mishnah at the bottom of Lama Testament Beis deals with another version of this discussion yet again. I live in city A, but my, the Peros that are mine are in city B. The Irvu Vene Osahair, the people over there in that city in city B, they don't own the fruit I do. They made an Eruv, Lahavi Etzelo, Peros, to bring me my Peros. So very nice of them, but but they didn't ask me. My, they made the Erev over there. They made their Erev to make it to me, but I didn't do it. So then says the Gemara, lo yavilo, that's not right. They're my payros. You cannot utilize the Erev in a way to bring them to me because I, it wasn't within my Erev when it started and they're my payros. Beim Erev, who, if he is the one who made the Erev, then of course, payros of Kamohu. Then the payros are like him. It's as if it's in the same city um, and all as well. Top of Mem. Amud Aleph, starting the final blot. Misha Orchem, one who has invited guests to their home, lo yolichu biyadam. He should not send people out of their house manos with uh, with portions of food. So you come over to my house and I'll say, oh, take this food. I have extra food for you. Just take it and go. You can go to your own home. Now their home was within their tchum, but their home is outside of my tchum. So can I send them home with a goodie bag of whatever food I want to give to them? So that the Mishnah says, you cannot send people from your home where it is within their tchum to go home, but not within mine. Unless I, the balabais, unless I appointed them, I knew in advance all the desserts I have in mind, whatever the halachic language is, hefker, I'm going to be mezaka them, it's no longer going to be mine, then they can walk it back to their homes. So that is the Mishnah. And we're now going to see a machlokas in the Amoraim that's going to pull on our Mishnah to try and see who is actually right in this machlokas Amoraim. Mem of three lines down. Itmar, a statement from the times of the, the Amoraim, the early Amoraim. Hamafkid peros etzel chavero. I have a basket of peros and I put them into uh, your yard. Machlokas. Rav Amar, that when we measure the tchum, Rav says it's karagle mishihiv kidu etzlo. So if I have it, like I have a backyard neighbor, the Stein. So I say, I'm going to take this and put it in the backyard neighbor's yard. Maybe I'm their backyard. I don't know. But I put it in their yard. So then it's as if the Paris are there. We measure from their tchum, not from mine. Shmuel doesn't agree. Shmuel Amar, karagle hamafkid. It's dependent on my house being the, 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 the makom shvisa. So Lema says the Gemara, maybe we should say that this machlokas, Rav and Shmuel, about the basket in the neighbor's yard, maybe Lema, Rav, Shmuel, that they're actually aligned with another machlokas that they have about a Mishnah. What Mishnah? The Mishnah writes, it's not, this is a Mishnah we're going to learn in Baba Kama. It's mentioned many times throughout Nizikin. The Mishnah writes that if I take an animal and I put it in your yard, so we can already see the similarity. I took fruit and put it in your yard. And here the, the Mishnah says six, seven lines down, if I put it in someone's yard, then then that person is going to be liable for any damages that the animal does. It's in your yard. You have a degree of responsibility. That's the Shita of the Chachamim. 
Rebbe Omer. Rebbe says, I disagree with the Chachamim. He says, Le'olam, I am not going to say that that person is held accountable until he specifically takes ownership and says, I'm willing to be a Shomer. These are the laws of Shmira. So let's say, for example, I, I just, we're friends and I just walk the cow that I have in my backyard into your yard and he ruins a building. Who's Chayv in the Nezikin? That's the Machlokes in the Chachamim and, uh, and Rebbe. The Chachamim say, if it's in your yard, you're the Balachrais. And Rebbe says, insufficient. You need to take ownership. So this was a Shaila that came up a number of years ago, 20, 15 years ago, this Shaila happened to me. I was teaching in a school. One student gave another person a phone to say, can you please take a picture of me? Brand new iPhone, shiny. The person was taking a picture, fell out of their hands and shattered on the floor. Thousands of pieces, the glass is gone. Who is Chayef? It's my phone. You're holding it and you dropped it. Do we, class. what? In the middle of class. Right. Do we say <laughs> the Rebbe is Chayef? Yeah, <laughs> for sure the Rebbe is Chayef. So do we say, I gave you my phone and, and listen to this, the Shmir is implied, right? Do we say the Shmir is implied or no? You have to be specific about that Shmir to say, now I'm a Shomer. Now I'm a Shomer, but without saying that, it's, the implication alone is not enough. So I brought this Shiloh to the Choshen Mishpakola, Rabbi Kohn, and everybody over there. And Rabbi Friedman was there. They were, I had handled over this Shiloh for a while. And Halacha Lamaisa, we paskin like Rebbe. So that means as follows. If I give you a phone to take a picture and you drop it, you are halachically completely exempt from damages. Whoa. Because we don't assume that Shmira is an implied responsibility. It has to be specified. That is this machlokas between the Chachamim and Rebbe. And the Chachamim were more loose about the uh, implication to say, okay, it's in your yard. You're the Baba Christ. Rebbe says, no, not until you say something. And then says the Gemara makes the connection for us. The Amar Rav Huna, Rav Huna says, Omar Rav, he says in the name of Rav, Halacha Kedivrei Chachamim, Rav says like the Chachamim, Ushmuel Amar Halacha Kerebi. So the Machlokas between Rav and Shmuel in regards to the animal in the yard, so they each paskin according to different sheets, as Rav to the Chachamim, and Shmuel according to Rebbe. Lema, maybe we should say that Rav de Amar Kerabonim, that Rav, in our case of the fruit in the neighbor's yard, where Rav says that it is the same as the person's uh, yard, right? So then the neighbor is the one who is going to be achroi. We, we take the makom shvisa from them. We count the tchum from there. Lema Rab holds like the Rabbanan who says that the implied assumption of achrais falls on that person. Similar line of thinking. Ushmuel de Amar Karebi, Shmuel who says no, that the achrais has to be specified. It can't be implied. And therefore the two of them align. So says the Gemara, it's a beautiful try. Great comparison. And you have the same Bali Plugta, Rav and Shmuel against Rav and Shmuel is perfect. But says the Gemara, it's really not, it's not an excellent comparison. 10, 12 lines down. Omar lach, Rav. Rav says, no, no. Anna, I, in this case of the fruit in the neighbor's yard, Omar Afilu the Rebbe. I could even hold like Rebbe by the animal. Why? Adkan loka Amar Rebbe Hasam. The only reason why Rebbe over there by the animal said what he said, which was to be very strict, was Ella de Bistama loka Bilaleni Tirusa. Is that because he holds that? Implied uh, implied responsibility is a zero. However, our case is a case where the person was So therefore, the cases are not comparable. Ushmuel and Shmuel as well. He would also say Omar. He would argue. I could hold even according to the shita of the rabbanan who allows for the implied uh, on the on the on the owner on the. 
person on the nifgad. It's better for me as the animal owner to put my animal in your in your property because then you're going to be the one because then I won't be held accountable. It's in your yard all as well. By the fruit, what do I gain by putting them in your yard? When I put an animal in your yard, I'm putter from Nazikin. I have a motivator. But when I put fruit in your yard, fruit doesn't damage people. It's inanimate. So there's nothing to really compare. And therefore, on these grounds, the Gemara rejects this comparison to say that Rav and Shmuel over here by the fruit are like Rav and Shmuel by the person who put the cow into the neighbor's yard. Now, we don't have a, an alignment of answers. We really don't know exactly where their machlokas is rooted. And now the Gemara, one third of the way down, three, four lines before the wide lines, begins to question some of the shitas. Tanan, we learned in our Mishnah. That's why this is quoted here. The im irev hu, this was the first case in the mission. I live in city A, I have fruits in city B. And if I make my Eru in a direction where city B is within my Tchum, then it's Peros of Kamohu. So says the Gemara, hold on one second. According to Rob, who says that if my fruits are in the neighbor's yard, we measure from his Tchum, but my fruits are in city B. So who cares if I make an Eru? The fruits are in city B. And Rob says, that we follow the nifkad, where the food is located. So what our Mishnah shows us that Rav can't be right. Because if Rav is right, then it would never have said that v'im irevu peros of kamo. So says the Gemara, v'i amris If Rav is right, that when the fruit is in someone else's possession, that we use that person's possession as the beginning of the count of 2,000 amos, ki irevu mayhave. In city A, when I say the Tchum starts here, who cares? That's not how it works, according to Rav. So it must be that Rav is wrong. So says the Gemara, no, incorrect. Last of the short lines, Amar Rav Huna, Amre Be Rav, they said in the base Medrash of Rav, to answer for him, Kigon, Sheyichet Lo Karen Zavis. It's different. It's not just Stam that your food is in another city. Your food is in a city and it's marked Phil's food. It's marked this person's food. Everybody knows it's yours. So Ke'ilu, it's as if that you are the one who still owns it, even though it's in another city. So it's a little less clear than the question. And therefore, Rav can still maintain his answer. Let's try to reject this yet again. Exactly just about halfway down, first long line, Toshma, Abraisa. Where do, it's not a Bryce, it's our Mishnah. This is quoted exactly on the top line of this page, the second part of our Mishnah. I invite guests over to my house. What did our Mishnah say? I cannot send you away with food to walk to the end of your tchum, because it's outside of my tchum. Unless I am them to you. So that's what our Mishnah says. Says the Gemara. If what you're saying, Rav, is that when my fruit is in a neighbor's yard, that we measure the tchum from his yard, so then, great, you come over to my house, and before Shabbos, I'm like, oh, all the desserts are for everybody else, and therefore, the tchum can follow their own tchum. What, what does that have to do with me? It's always like that, according to Rav. You're leaving my house with food? It's like it's yours. So it has to be that Rav is wrong because if our Mishnah is saying that I, as the homeowner, I have you for Shabbos, I was mizake you with the dessert so you can carry it into your tchum outside of my tchum. My tchum only goes a thousand amos to your direction. Your tchum is fifteen hundred amos. That's where you live. But but then Rav has to be wrong because otherwise the Mishnah gave an answer that shouldn't work. Says the Gemara, don't worry. Because 
I gave you ownership for that with someone else making a Kenyan, which is its own uh, sugya. It says if it was specified as a very unique product, a very unique location, and therefore Rav's shita can still be maintained, or Zika shiny. Zika, the actual Kenyan factor here is different. And because Zika is shiny, because it's different, so therefore Rav can still maintain a shita because it does, it's not what our mission is talking about. Our mission was not talking about Zika. Our mission was talking about me giving you something. But when I was Mazaka to you, so that was a little bit different. Do you have any extra Gemaras? I have one here. So welcome our Oreh. We're talking about Achnosas Orchem Mamish and Mishnah. Exactly. Good welcome. Well, plenty of food. Plenty of food. You're very cheap on the charcuterie boards. You can have as much food as you want. Welcome. <laughs> so says the Gemara, we're uh, three, four lines into the wide lines on Mem Amid Aleph. Says the Gemara, let's talk about a new sugya. And this must be where uh, Romanian got the whole hanging salamis from. Listen to this. Rav Chana Barchani Loi was an early, relatively early Amora. I think he was a second or third century Amora. Tala Bisra, he took meat and he hung it on a knob of a door. Sound familiar? For anyone who's ever lived in Chicago, you've probably walked into people's homes and seen hanging salamis. So now that that happened, and he said, what's the din, Rav Huna? Am I allowed to take this down and eat it? So what does Rav Huna answer? Now, often when we learn, we listen to an Amora's name, and like we kind of plow through it, we have to remember his name. It's going to come up again shortly. So Amar Le, Rav Huna says back to Rav Chana Bar Talis, if you're the one who put it there, Zil Shkol, go ahead, you can take it, no problem. Fresh cut salami, hard salami, anyantif, perfect. Throw it on the grill. <laughs> if there are others who hung it up for you, the place where you're staying, the hosts, whoever it is, Lotishko, you should not take it. The Gemara asks four sharp questions in a row on this answer. So again, what's the dialogue? Rav Chana Bar says, I hung up a piece of, of, of meat on the door and I want to eat it now. Rav Huna, can I take it? If you're the one who hung it up, yes. If you're not the one who hung it up, no. Says the Gemara, hang on one second. If you're the one who hung it up, are you really allowed to take it? How can that be? Rav Huna, and here you need the history. Rav Huna, Talmud Rav Hava. Rav Huna was a Talmud of Rav. The Amar Rav, Kirav Lemishev Kido can't be. It has to be that whoever's house it's in is the determining factor. So how could Rav Huna, who's a Talmud of Rav, give an answer to Rav Huna Barchani Loi that's not within Rav's world? The answer doesn't make any sense. Says the Gemara, shiny Ibra Dadasha. Hanging it on a knob on the door is different. Very similar to the answers we've seen before. You're trying to give me a machudah. No, it's okay. This is not the case of Rav. Rav was talking about where the food was placed generally. But where it's placed very specifically in a spot that's labeled to be yours, that's not Rav's case. And therefore, Rav can still maintain his shita. So says the Gemara, another question. Uh, says the Gemara, If others were to hang it up, you wouldn't be allowed to take it? Hold on one second. Is that if you have meat from an animal that fattens animals, then that belongs to everybody. So then, of course, you should be able to take it. Why wouldn't you be able to take it? So I'm going to ask you yet another question. If they hang it up for you, not you. 
Lo shaka, you couldn't take it after all. We hold like the shita of Ravdosa. What does Ravdosa hold? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is five lines or so before the widest lines. It's a long deeper Hamaskil, starting with Amar Le Ravina. And what does Rashi there say? It's like the person who is the shepherd. And in this case, he's the one who put it there. It should be like it's his. There's no reason why he can't take it. Amar the Ravashi, the Rav Kahana, yet another question, third one in a row. If other people hang it up, he couldn't take it. All of these are reasons why he should be able to take it. So says the Gemara, you're absolutely right. And therefore, we have to look back at the question. What was happening in the question? The person who we were talking about was Rukhana Barchanilai. So we need to know something about him. And that is that when he learned, he got completely lost in his learning. I, when I was in Shalvin, there was a guy there who got an accident in his car regularly, screaming at his, at his cassette player, disagreeing with the Rosh and with the Rambam. He couldn't drive a car. Complete immersion in learning. Yelling at, uh, we, all saw, we, we all saw him driving his car through Yeshiva, literally foaming at the mouth, screaming. It was beautiful and terrifying all at the same time. So that's what the Gemara says. Elashani he was different. He was engrossed in his learning. If other people were to have hung up the, the Romanian salami, so then says the Gemara, I skip a line? Yep, totally. This is what Rav Huna was saying back to him. If you're the one who hung it up, if you're the one who hung it up, then you're like cognizant of it. You're like aware that it's there. You know what it looks like, and you're gonna you're gonna recognize it. Therefore, zil shkol. That's what Rav Huna was saying. If you hung it up, you can take it. But then he said, If others hung it up for you, no. So the Mefarshim here points out a very very important halacha that what we're talking about here is a principle of this brought in Shulchan Aruch. It's mentioned in the Gemara and Chulin called Basar Shenis Alimin Ha'ayin. This is a halacha Mefarshim Shulchan Aruch and applicable that if there is a piece of meat that um, that was not protected, it was not watched, we actually have a halachic concern that maybe someone uh, outside of our tradition would swap out the busser to treif. So let's say, for example, the classic example of this, you're on an airplane and you get up to go to the bathroom, you're not allowed to eat your sandwich afterwards unless there's a simon bedevered from this Gemara. That was the simon. He knew what it looked like. He knew the, the knot he tied, whatever it was, he knew what it was. So that's what the Gemara is saying here. It's based on this principle, a principle of Basar Shani Salim Min So the whole question wasn't the question? Nope. That's the answer of the Gemara. We're pivoting. What Rav Huna was saying, you're different because you're so engrossed in your learning. The only way you'll remember the Basar and not trigger Basar Shani Salim Min is if you're the one who hung it up. Just eating the food, mamish. So it's a total, the Gemara started within the world of Tchum Shabbos, my Tchum, your Tchum. No, that's not what we're talking about. It's total, it was, it was like a misfire because we thought that the, when we looked at the question, we're like, yeah, that's a great question. And our Mishnah and Rav, and Rav says it's like the Mishnah got it slow. And the Gemara says, totally unrelated, totally unrelated. This is a Basra Shemin Salamina Ayim Sega. Okay, next Mishnah and the final Mishnah, Baruch Hashem, and Maseches Beitzah. The Mishnah says, Ein Mashkin B'Shochten Es Hamid Barrios. One is not allowed to uh, give a drink to and to show and to shech 
an animal that is midbarios, an animal that is uh, undomesticated, one is allowed to give water to and to shech, baisos, domesticated animals. How do we distinguish between animals that are domesticated and animals that are wild? So the Mishnah says, baisos, halanos Animals that are considered domesticated, they sleep near town. They don't sleep. Remember, remember the model. This is like like southern Wisconsin, like one house every couple of miles, right? So where do the animals sleep? If they sleep out in the forest, those are undomesticated animals. They're in the wild. But if they always come back to town at night and they sleep near your house, so then that's considered to be domesticated. Midbarios, halanos ba'afar, they're way out, all the way out. So says the Gemara, why does the Mishnah say that you're not allowed to give water to the, what, what is that? The Mishnah says, Ein mashkin you cannot give water, you can't give water to an animal? Really? What, what does that even mean? Of course you can give water to an animal. You might be chayiv to give water to an animal. So it says the Gemara, So we learned about this in an earlier Masechta, I don't remember where. So this is uh, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi being Rabbi Yehuda Nasi and weaving things into the Mishnah to make sure that we have the richest learning possible. What was he subtly reminding us of? It's always wise to get your animal very uh, well hydrated before you shecht it because to help break down the, con- the connections between the skin and the flesh. In other words, it makes the skinning of the animal significantly easier if the animal is very well hydrated. So that's why it mentioned in show in mashkin, but really, of course, there's nothing wrong with giving a mashka of giving uh, water to an animal. Tanurabanan, we're now going to see a machlokes. We we gave one set of definitions for the wild animal and the domesticated animal, but the Gemara here has a number of different definitions. Tanurabanan, the rabbis have taught us. Eluhin midbarios ve eluhin baisos. Here are different definitions. Midbarios, the ones that are considered wild. Kol sheyotos bepesach. Animals that are deemed to be wild. They only come back. They go out by Pesach time. They're grazing everywhere. When do they come back? Only a reference to the first rain of the year. If that's the only time they come back or less frequent, they are considered wild. If they come back more frequently than that, then they're considered domesticated. What's the, what does it mean to be domesticated? Animals that graze typically outside of the tchum. But when they are finally going to go down to sleep at night, they come back into the reservation within the tchum. But Rebbe gives the most stringent version of all. Rebbe Omer, the two definitions that you just gave, these outlandish once in a while you come back when it rains, all of these definitions, those are all considered to be domesticated. How do we define wild animals that you are not allowed to shech? They go out to graze in the fields. They don't come back ever. If you can imagine the hunter, the hunter goes out into this forest where the animals have no home and they find a perfectly kosher animal, split hooves, choose its cut, a cow, a deer, whatever it is, and they rope it. All good. They can't kill it, of course. That would make it an avela. That's nechira. And then they're, allowed, they're not allowed to shech it. Mr. Why? Because they're undomesticated. Because that's what Rebbe says. The animal has to never return. And any other animal that sometimes returns ever is domesticated and can be shechted. But that implies that, according to Rebbe, that there are some animals that are still muksa, which is a little unique. Says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom. And of course, we had to come back to one of the prevalent thematic sugyas of this masechta, which is muksa. As we know, huge machlokas in the uh, Tanaim between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda about how much muksa there actually is. Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon taking a way looser approach to 
um, to Muksa with Rabbi Huda being more expansive. Umi Isle, the Rebbe Muksa. How can you imply that there are types of animals that Rebbe Yehuda couldn't shecht on Yom Tov? He doesn't hold a muksa. The Habamine, after all, we have a story. Bamine Rib Shimon Bar Rebbe, the child of Rebbe, the son of Rebbe was Rib Shimon, and he asked to Shilami Rebbe from his father, Patzile Tamara Le Rib Shimon Mahu. How does Rebbe Shimon Paskin in regards to uh, raw or unripe, uh, unripe dates? What does he consider them? Rib Shimon Mahu, what are they? Omar Leif. And Rebbe lays down the law about Reb Shimon as we turn for the final time. Ein muksa the Reb Shimon, Ella, Ella, grogros vitzimukin bilvad. Reb Shimon was of the opinion that the only time that we really have muksa is when fruits are being dried out. So if that's the case, what does that make us, what does it seem like from Rebbe? It seems from Rebbe that he doesn't hold a muksa other than grogros vitzimukin. And if that's true, then how can Rebbe say that there is such a thing as an undomesticated animal? Because that would make it muksa, and Rebbe doesn't hold a muksa because we just saw from right here that he quoted Reb Shimon, who doesn't quote this case, which means that Rebbe should also hold it. There's no muksa. So the Gemara gives a host of answers. The first answer is, normally is brought as a, we, we see this model sometimes. Normally there's give, an answer given, and then the Gemara says, this is a slight variation. We do see this. X, Y. It's not uncommon, but it's not very common. Says the Gemara, one answer could be, is that brilliant. The Gemara says that the undomesticated animal, this wild animal is similar to the fruits. How so? In theory, I could have kept it in my home but I let it go. In theory, I could have eaten the fruits before they were dried out, but I made them dry. I made them unavailable. So that's one answer, which the Gemara compares the grogros vitzimukin to the undomesticated animal that you could have domesticated, but you chose not to. This is the most balabatish simple answer, which is that if you look at the line on the bottom of the previous page, he wasn't saying it in his own name. Look what he says. Ain muksa lirib shimin. He wasn't talking about him. So such a clear, clean answer. So that's the second answer of the Gemara is that when Rebbe was saying that no, it's a, there's muksa for Reb Shimon, he wasn't talking about himself. It says, says the Gemara, but Rebbe, he does hold of muksa. He doesn't hold of Reb Shimon across the board. He was just answering his son's question. His son asked about Reb Shimon. He answered about Reb Shimon. Why did you assume that Rebbe held that in the first place? Great answer. Very simple answer. And then the third answer, says the Gemara, that really uh, the other answer is that he's talking about the machlokas within the brysa of Rebbe and the Rabbonon about what the undomesticated animal is defined as. Lididi ain muksa. He says, I, I hold that there's no muksa. At least admit to me, says Rebbe, that when there's some degree of rain in the animal's return, that's domesticated. The Rabbanon said, look, that's not correct. We still define those as midbarios. Hadran Allah, Mishilin, Peros, Beitza. A special thank you to my wife. This has been a fascinating Masechta throughout the Chagim. She doesn't know that I do this because I don't think she watches this because she's putting a bunch of people to bed right now. But uh, as always, a big thank you to her. Uh, I'm very appreciative to her and to all of you. And Mr. Sher, we'd love to have you uh, give the scene. Before I. Uh... Oh no, just come give the scene. There's there's people here. There's people. I should have worn my We can solve that problem. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Before okay, Kai. Before before I start, I just want to thank our Maggie Cheer of Phil for unbelievable sheer.
for all of you, all my fellow people who are part of the share. And I've got to say, I can guarantee you that we have probably the most unique share in the world. Um, it has a lot of, no, a lot, a lot of, I don't know, a lot of character, a lot of character. So I thank you all very much for this honor. And it uh, dawned on me while uh, uh, we were learning that this month of Cheshvan happens to be the month of my father's York site, God Yehuda Ben Shlomo Zalman, and my mother-in-law's, Sarona uh, Baschayim. They were nifter a week apart, um, but different years. So, uh, I would like to uh, make this happen. Hanina bar papa, Rami bar papa, Nachman bar papa, Achoy bar papa, Abba Mori bar papa, Rafram bar papa, Rochish bar papa, Surcha bar papa, Ada bar papa, Doru bar papa. Harevno Adonai Eloheinu as Vidiksos Mofinu Fios and Chobe Israel. Nenea Nachman sets Eno sets eight sets Eno and Chobe Israel. Twelve Yode Shemetal they saw a second Shma. May Oevai Techak Mani meets Osecha Kili Olam Hili. Hihili <laughs> Anu amelim vehem amelim, anu amelim akavim sachar vehem amelim vehem akavim sachar. Anu rotsim vehem rotsim, anu rotsim anu chayel l'maba. Vehem rotsim l'var shachas shenamar. Ato Elohim toridein l'var shachas atchei damim yirmal lo yachazuim vehem aniyev tochpach. Yiratzol fenachal noy Elohai kishem shazar tanil say masechas beitzah. Kaintazrainlihasu <laughs> Lola, hey, play the Gabal, the Kabal, the Nukra, Amin, Arab. 
Thank you. Where are you? Rosh Where are you that you're missing all the food? I'm in New York. New York, we got a whole bunch of sandwich club. I just want you to feel the same simcha. And Yitz Brandis made some charcuterie boards. We don't know what's under the covers here. Let's, let's reveal. So the big reveal just for Tzvi. Oh, tinfoil. Very exciting. Wow. Whoa. Oh my God, I was not expecting that. <laughs> I am very jealous. I'm turning the camera off now. <laughs> Next time you'll... Uh... Mazel tov, mazel tov. We'll see you. Cotton.